Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do this without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thank you to all of our great sponsors. Welcome to another edition of the Educational Athletic Director, this time featuring the FIAAA Insider. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast, this time featuring the FIAAA Insider. Our guest today is Wayne Stofsky. Wayne is the Director of Athletics at the Poznak School in Miami, Florida. Wayne, welcome to the program. Well, thank you very much, Jake. And, uh, and it's funny because everybody groups everything, you know, down here is Miami. And David Posnack, the school is actually in, in Davie, which is in, in Broward County, probably about 30 minutes from downtown Miami. And I should know that, uh, having <laughs> you know been in that area for a few years as an AD. So my apologies to uh, no. David Posnack School and Davey. Actually, Jake, we have three campuses. We do have a campus in Dade County in Aventura, which is a lower school. So I actually oversee three campuses in three counties. So you'd have been right all along. All right. I appreciate you bailing <laughs> me out on that. Well, Wayne, you know um, as much as anyone how busy uh, the Athletic Director's Day is. So we're going to jump right into it. We always like to let our listeners uh, hear a little bit about um, you. So uh, tell us, you know, hey, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Um, how'd you get involved in sports? Well, I hope this podcast has a lot of time because I've had a lot of different lives, you know, before I actually became an athletic director. But uh, I was born in South Florida. Uh, born on South Beach, actually, down on Miami Beach. Uh, my mom went to Beach High. And uh, my parents moved to Broward County. I was two years old. So I grew up in South Florida, uh, played sports year-round, you know, baseball, football, basketball, all the way through until I got to high school. And I actually went to Nova High School, which is in Davie. And if you remember, a legendary coach who is just retiring this year, Pat McQuaid, uh, and I played for him baseball and football when I got to Nova High School. Uh, and it was a great experience. I mean, Coach McQuaid is, uh, you know, a Hall of Famer in Broward County, the state of Florida, FACA, you name it. Uh, so he taught me a lot about the games, baseball, football. I gave up basketball my sophomore year of high school because I was not going to be a basketball player. Um, but stuck with both those sports through high school, ended up signing a baseball scholarship, uh, went on to play at LSU for another legendary coach in Skip Bertman, who's a, a Hall of Famer and, 
and probably the smartest guy I have ever played for or been around. Taught me uh, so much. Uh, after college, I was fortunate enough to sign and play a couple of years in the minor leagues, spent some time out west in Salt Lake City, not far from where you're originally from in Oregon, uh, and then actually went overseas and played in the Italian Pro League just outside Milan, Italy. And uh, that was back in 1991, which would have been my last year competitively as a professional player. Uh, and then came back to the States and uh, that's kind of where my, my coaching and administrative career began. Well, I know you've, um, as varied a career as you've had as an athlete, you also had uh, quite a variety in your, um, your working career. Uh, take us through that path from um, former athlete to active athletic administrator. So when I came back to the States after that last year of playing in Italy, uh, it was October, so school had already started. Luckily, I had finished my undergrad degree before I had signed that first professional contract, and I really put my hands up, and what am I going to do now? So Coach McQuaid at Nova High School asked if I wanted to be his assistant coach, and they got me a job there at Nova High School uh, kind of as an in-house substitute, so I had a, a job every day, you know, until I wanted to figure out what I was going to do next. So I coached there at Nova in 1992 with Coach McQuaid. It was a great experience. And during that time, uh, the head coach at Miami-Dade North Community College asked if I wanted to be the assistant coach there at the college. And at the same time, they were going to pay for my master's degree. So I, I took that opportunity. I was a coach at Miami-Dade North Community College in 93. Got my master's degree in sports administration. Uh, and then maybe made the biggest mistake of my life. And uh, I left coaching and went into television. So I had interned for NBC while I was getting my master's degree and, and became a television sports anchor. And I spent my first two years in Tallahassee, right there in your neck of the woods at WTXL, the ABC affiliate, covering Florida State and FAMU and every high school from, oh, you know, just uh, – <laughs> just east of Panama City, all the way to Jefferson County and down to Wakulla. And I remember all those small towns and all the great people. Uh, and after spending the two big years bend. Yeah. In, all across the Big Bend, uh, you know, I learned all the back roads and that's before we had GPS on your phone. Like oh I, I used to keep the map in the side, in the door of that WTXL van. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I spent the next two years at the NBC affiliate in the Fort Myers, Naples market. And then at the end of 99, you know, my wife and I had had our first child and decided to leave local television. And I moved back to South Florida. I live in Cooper City, uh, which is a suburb of Fort Lauderdale and Hollywood. And when I came back here, uh, stayed in that production business, spent about eight years in the multimedia production business. Uh, but at some point along the way, I'd say, uh, you know, 2000. 2010, uh, I got a phone call uh, from a facility and they asked me if I wanted to open a baseball academy. You know, baseball had been most of my life. I was working business and had this time. So we opened up the Broward Baseball Academy at the end of 2010. Uh, two years later, built a 4,000 square foot covered hitting facility, three turfed batting cages, pitching machines, nets, tees, hired coaches, you know, summer camps and rented it out to teams. And it was great. 
couple of years into that, I got a call from a, another one of your athletic directors, probably in the FIAA, Paul Megna at Cooper City High School, who uh, asked me to be the head baseball coach at Cooper City High. So I was the head baseball coach at Cooper City High, and if I remember correctly, 2013 and 14, and then got a call from Jeff Johnson at the Pinecrest School in Fort Lauderdale and uh, became the head coach at Pinecrest in 2015. And just after that, uh, two fantastic schools, by the way, and enjoyed working with Paul and, and, and Jeff Johnson at Pinecrest. Got a call from Dr. Richard Cuenca, who is the head of school at the David Posnack School. And uh, he said, I'd like to talk to you about being our athletic director. And it's funny because I never, ever thought I'd be working in a school, let alone a, a private Jewish day school and being the athletic director. Uh, but it, it's been fantastic. I just finished my fifth year. Uh, I am actually the director of athletics for a group of private schools. So our main campus is K to 12. We have a campus that was in Aventura. We just built a brand new school and we moved it to Hallandale Beach. And then we have Meyer Prep, which is a K to eight in Palm Beach Gardens. So I oversee athletics on all three of those campuses, which is about 50 teams in 13 different sports. Um, and I also oversee the physical education department. So I do the hiring and evaluating, and if we have to, the letting go of the uh, PE teachers as well. Even though, Jake, I, I do not teach. Um, I do not teach a class, and I choose not to coach a team at any of the schools. You know, that way I can give my undivided attention to all the coaches in all the different sports. Wow, what a uh, fantastic uh you know, path you've, you've had so far. Um, um, having gone to a um, large, you know, public school as a student and coached at some of the bigger public schools, um, what's the difference uh, between, you know, that type of environment or that type of, you know, culture, if you will, and the culture that you have at a small private school. You know, you and I have, you know, worked at similar schools. I was at Coral Springs Christian, I was at Palmer Trinity, and now I'm at McClay. So uh, what's the difference between, you know, being at the big school versus being at the small school? So I think the biggest difference is the actual setup, the organizational chart. And I think I'm fortunate, others might not think so, but in my, position at the Poznak School, I only answer to the head of school. So I am on the leadership team with the principals and the CFO and the director of marketing. So, so I have a lot of accountability, um, but I get to make a lot of decisions and I don't have to go through a lot of red tape. And our head of school, um, he hired me to do a job. You know, he, he has put me in this position and if people try to go above me to him, he'll ask, have you called Wayne? Have you talked to Wayne? Um, you know, he gives me that freedom to make hires without having to get approval from him. Uh, but like I said, at the end of the day, I am going to be held accountable for that. Um, I think that's the biggest difference between a school like ours, and McClay is probably very similar, and a large public school, where at the public school as an athletic director, you know, you have to answer usually to an assistant principal who oversees sports. And then you also have the principal. And then you have the school board, the county, you know, a county athletic director. So I think it's a little more difficult to get things done 
in a large public setting. And you, you don't have probably as much say so as you could in a, in a smaller private setting. I think you really hit it on the nail on the head. Um, you know, I've been so blessed here at McClay, you know, as the AD, I've got a new position now, but um, our, our head of school is exactly the same way. You know, you're, you're the athletic director, you know, run your program, you know, make us look good and keep problems off my desk. So uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's, that's great that's when true. you have that type of support. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think that, that television and public speaking background that I had really helped me for this position because it's me that has to deal with the parents and the families. And while I continue to say I'm not political at all, um, you, you have to be a little bit, you know, you have to know how to walk and talk and present and, and hold orientations and you, you have to really become a good listener and, uh, I've gotten better at that over the years. I think in the beginning, I was, you know, a little tough right from the start. And uh, Dr. Quank, our head of school, kind of helped me a little bit with that. Uh, you know, and I think parents feel comfortable coming to me because they know I'm going to at least listen to them. They might not always like the answer I give them, but, but I'm going to listen. Mm -hmm. Very true. Very true. Uh, we've touched a little bit um, on leadership. And as an athletic director, you know, we all have had, you know, those mentors, those leaders in our lives. Who You've mentioned some of your coaches. Uh, who have been uh, the key mentors for you in your uh, career so far? Well, you know, Coach McQuaid at Nova was a baseball and football coach. But then, you know, later on, after, long after I was gone, he became the athletic director. So, so I do reach out to him and talk to him and, and Paul Magna at Cooper City because I was the baseball coach there. And that was the first time I had really coached at the high school level in a large setting. Um, you know, and, and we had been friendly for years before I became the coach there. Um, as far as pure knowledge, you know, Skip Burtman at LSU, who was my baseball coach, uh, he was a genius. I mean, he still is a genius. Uh, you know, and, and when I was sitting on the bench next to him, all I wanted to do was listen. I was a sponge. And it was unbelievable how he knew what the other team was going to do before they did it. And I, and I think that can help you as an athletic director, too. I tell people I like to stay three steps ahead, you know, three innings ahead, three games ahead of everybody else um, so that I'm never surprised. Um, you know, and later on, Skip Bertman moved into the athletic director's role at LSU, where he was a genius of a fundraiser. And being in a leadership role at our school, you know, I, I am also saddled with that. Um, we do not have booster clubs on our campus. We don't ask our parents for money, you know, per se to, you know, buy things on a, on a team level. But, you know, as you know, at McClay, you know, fundraising is a large part of it because the tuition alone in most private schools, I've learned straight tuition covers about 75% of the cost of the school and you have to go out and raise a lot more money. Um, and we've done a lot of, you know, building and additions with regards to building new buildings and an athletic turf complex and a new gym. So, you know, Skip Bertman really helped me with that. And then in this position, Dr. Cuenca, who is our head of school, he, he's really an entrepreneur, you know, sitting at a head of school. He, he likes to call himself a glorified fundraiser. Um, he is an academia, you know, he's, he's got a doctorate in education and reading. Uh, so with the things that I do not believe I'm an expert at, 
I, I lean on him for those things. So that's probably the, the people, you know, in addition to, of course, your, your parents who were always there for me, they always had my back, everything I wanted to try, they gave me the opportunity and, and I think it helped greatly. COVID has certainly uh, been a presence here in Florida as well as across the country. Um, what we've seen so far is that there hasn't been a consistent response uh, nationwide or even statewide. Um, you know, the things we're, our schools are doing up here in the Panhandle, almost uh, 180 degrees from what's going on down in your neck of the woods. Uh, I understand, you know, you know, we already talked about it. There's a big meeting this coming Monday, but what are some things that you did with your student athletes, your teams, your coaches this past spring when we lost spring sports? And what are some things you're doing right now regarding summer conditioning? Well, so the first part of that question, you know, we got all our coaches together and of course everybody was disappointed when the spring was shut down there in the middle of March. Um, you know, I tried to keep in contact as much as I could with the coaches, but more importantly with the kids and their families. Uh, we did end the spring with an athletic awards banquet. Maybe we do it a little differently than some of the other schools. I know most of the larger schools, you know, each individual team would have a banquet, a football banquet, a girls volleyball banquet, basketball, so forth. Um, at our school, I actually do two end of the year banquets. I do one for our middle school and one for our high school. And it's a full blown awards presentation with videos and, you know, MVPs and most improved and coaches award for every team, the coaches speak. So I did that this year, just like this via Zoom. And I put together slideshows and, and photos with the awards for the kids and, and it went very well. You know, the coaches did a good job. Our families could not have been more, you know, grateful that we took the time to do this, uh, you know, knowing the way that everything ended. So that's how we went into the summer. Um, we're, we're a little different than most larger schools or even private schools that, you know, have a large emphasis on athletics. We do not get together in the summer for conditioning and training as a school. Most of our students that are, you know, into athletics are going to do that on their own. Um, I believe the start date this year for most schools was supposed to be July 27th. Was that official start date? We start school this year on August 19th. So none of our teams would really be on campus or practice until August 10th, only nine days before school. And that was girls volleyball, cross country. Um, and we have a private boys high school flag football league that we created because we don't have tackle football on our campus. So our campus has been shut down the entire summer as most of the campuses have been in Dade, Broward, Palm Beach County. So there's nobody on our campus now except a couple of administrators and, and I've been working from home most of the time. What's your uh, take on um, South Florida and the startup, uh, again, the official date was the July 27th, which is uh, about two weeks from now. I think uh, a lot of people are uh, uh, looking at the state association to maybe delay that uh, for a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> you know, let's say that happens. Let's say uh, they push the start date back. Um, 
is South Florida, is the Poznak School, you know, going to be ready in those three additional weeks? Is that going to impact you? Uh, what's your feeling on that? Uh, so as of today, so we're recording this on Friday, July 17th. I had a meeting with my head of school yesterday. Um, and as of today, we're not ready to make an official announcement as to what we're going to do, you know, come August 19th when we open school. If you're asking me my gut feeling, I do not think sports are going to start in the fall um, down here in South Florida. Uh, in the last couple of days, the Broward County Public School Board has said they will be 100% online to start the year, so no kids on campus. I believe Palm Beach has done the same, and it would not surprise me if Dade County follows suit here um, any day now. Uh, we know in the fall that tackle football is king, and you know, there's a lot of revenue to be had for the larger schools that play tackle football, and that's going to affect them. Uh, as you mentioned, it is a total 180 degree difference. You, you know, probably north of Orlando, uh, with you know, in regards to what we're doing down here. Uh, I don't know how schools are going to start and play if they're not allowing students on campus. So I'll just take Broward County, for instance. If they're not allowing, allowing students on campus to go to class every day, I don't know how they're going to allow them to start athletics. I mean, the parents are going to probably throw their hands up and say, you're going to let these kids play football and volleyball, but they can't go to class? That's, I think, the biggest concern. Um, you know, we've been knocking around some different ideas down here. We play against a lot of other private schools down here in addition to the public schools and the charter schools that are in the FHSAA and the Broward County Athletic Association. Um, you know, it's almost like we're thinking, why don't we go back to school on the 19th and wait two or three weeks before we actually start sports? Because as you know, there's a two-week lag when it comes to COVID. You know, the, the, the big spike that we're seeing now in the state of Florida, and it's a huge spike, we think is coming from what happened July 4th weekend where everybody got out and people were together and there were parties and activities, and now we're seeing the spike. So when everybody gets back on campus that second or third week of August, is there going to be another big spike two or three weeks after that? Um, and if the answer is no, then maybe we start easing into athletics. If the answer is yes, I think the decision across the state is going to be easy because they're going to shut everything down. Well, and again, delaying three weeks or five weeks, whatever it is, um, no one has because they can't, but no one's answered the question, well, what do you do when Billy tests positive or Coach Smith tests positive? You know, then what? Is it the season over? Is the team in quarantine? So, Again, it's it's a. I asked the question knowing that you know hey, we really don't know the answer. Well, we're you know, so I said Broward County is going to be 100% online. In in our school, the situation's a little different. As of today, we are giving our families and and on our main campus we have 800 students. We're giving our families an option, and they have to give us their answer by August 5th. Now remember, school starts August 19th. The first option is we want our kids in school five days a week on campus. And if they choose that, they're gonna follow all our rules. So they're gonna be masks worn at all times. We have now separated out our lower school from our middle school from our high school with regards to cross-contamination. We've made three separate dining halls. 
as opposed to the one major dining hall that we've had for the last five years. Um, our lower school and middle school kids can't come into the high school building and vice versa. Uh, same with teachers. You know, very few people, you know, someone like me that works with all three divisions, you know, I'm going to have a mask, a shield, maybe even hospital gown. Um, they're taking it very seriously. Lower school and middle school PE will all be outside. They can't come into the gym, which is in the high school. Um, so, you know, what happens if little Billy in second grade gets sick? Are they going to send home his entire class? Because we're going to know the tracing. We're going to know where everybody is at all times and what paths they cross. Um, so, you know, that's one option. The second option is, are you going to work virtual? <clears throat> now, we have spent an awful lot of money this summer preparing our school for the, the COVID way. We have put flat screen TVs into every classroom with two different cameras and a, and a thing called an OWL system, where if you choose to work remotely, you'll be at home sitting in front of your computer with your school uniform on, you will do your six, seven classes, whatever the day is, the teacher and the students in that classroom can see you on that large flat screen TV, they can hear you, and then the whiteboards or the smart boards that the teacher does all the writing on, that will be shared with that student at home. So he sees it on his computer the same way the two of us are looking at each other. So it's as if the kid is sitting in the classroom. And when the family makes that choice, whether they're coming to school or they're working remotely, they have to stay that way through winter break. It goes all the way through you know, January until we come back to school uh, because we don't want the cross-contamination. If someone's at home doing their thing, they're going to stay at home. The only way it changes is if we have a kid in class and that child gets sick, well, now they can go home and work remotely and, of course, have to, you know, get two negative tests and everything else the CDC says. So, you know, we spent a lot of money. Um, we're going to see how long we can, we can last going that way. Well, I'm going to guess that, you know, your response as a school has, you know, spoke uh, volumes with your stakeholders and, and probably been received very positively. I, I know, you know, McClay, uh, we were, I think, more ready than most of the schools in Leon County back in the spring to go online just because of our clientele and, and our, our mission. And, you know, we've stepped that up in anticipation of those same types of options during the fall. So it, it's going to be wild. There's no question about it. It, and, I, and I think McClay is, you know, we're, we're pretty similar to McClay. Uh, I mean, look, I lived in Tallahassee for two years. Mm -hmm. McClay does it the right way. Um, yes, our parents expected, you know, a lot. You know, you're talking about a high tuition number. Um, they deserve it. Uh, you know, we polled all our families, and I want to say it was about 94% said they wanted their children on campus five days a week. Mm -hmm. Now that the numbers are spiking, that next poll is August 5th. We're going to see <laughs> where it comes in at. Yeah. And, and then the other question, we don't have to go into it, but uh, um, polling the teachers, you know, <laughs> what do the teachers want to do? Uh, I did that this week. So yeah. I, I can tell you what they want to do. Okay. Well, Wayne, this, is, uh, this has been great. I've really enjoyed, uh, you know, hearing about you and hearing about uh, the way you do things at your school. We've kind of come to the end and we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. 
Now, you've been uh, in sports for a long time. You've been a, an AD now. Uh, you're getting ready to send off a brand new athletic director to their first job. And I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What's going to go in Wayne Stopsky's athletic director toolbox? Hmm. Good question. And, uh, and I've learned a lot of this by, you know, watching the FIAA and going to the meetings last year. And, and thank you for all that you do. And, and I'm hoping to even get more involved, you know, over the next three to five years. So I would say number one is, is communication. Uh, become as good a communicator as you possibly can because the parents of these children want to hear from you all the time and know what's going on. Uh, number two, be very detail-oriented and organized. Uh, I think for an administrator and even for a high school coach, 50 to 75% of everything you do is organizational. And the more organized you are, I think the easier it makes your job. And number three, which I think is the one that I enjoy the most, is be seen. Don't be an athletic director that sits in that office overlooking everybody. Uh, get out there. I, I try every week to get to as many games as I can. It doesn't matter if it's a, a girls volleyball game or a swimming match, uh, swim meet, I'm sorry, basketball, tennis. I try to get to as many games and practices as I can every day because I'll tell you what, your coaches and those student athletes, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I love going to games. So be seen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, again, I tell our coaches, uh, our assistant ADs, you know, where else can you get paid to go watch a, a high school baseball game or a, a girls basketball game? You know, you're getting paid to go there. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, again, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Um, Wayne, thanks for being our guest today. All right. Thank you very much for having me, Jake, and stay safe. You too. And uh, tune in again to another edition of the Educational AD. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Educational AD podcast. I want to remind you that the Zoom recording of this interview is also available on YouTube on the Educational AD channel. Thanks again for listening.